up, everyone? Welcome to the Huh Podcast. This is Christian Naylor. I'm with Micah Hescock and Garrett Crawford. Uh, and we've been going through a series of podcasts, just going through different narratives in the Bible. Uh, for example, Jonah, Samson. Last week we talked about uh, the story of Noah. And we've just been talking about maybe things that you don't typically get when you're in Sunday school or, or things that you might typically not get on a Sunday morning when you're hearing these stories, especially even just growing up as a kid, you might not have heard uh, all the details of this story in Bible school. So we're here to talk about some of those details, some of the cool uh, facts and just interesting things that God has spoke through these narratives. And this week on the podcast, we are talking about Adam and Eve. So we're bringing it all the way back to day one, where we all started in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Let's go. Technically, it was day six. Excuse me, day seven. six. <laughs> Thanks, Garrett. Depending on your, <laughs> depending on your view of old Earth or new Earth creationism. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be more precise. Okay. Well. Thanks, Garrett. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, we're pumped to, to be here with you today. Um, Mike is having some technical difficulties with his mic, so. I guess that takes the term Mike out of Micah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would have went with that one. That's my, uh, that's my dad joke of the day, even though I'm not dad. But we're doing uh, Adam and Eve, and I, th- I think Adam and Eve is, um, well, really, the creation story in general, including Adam and Eve, because the creation story includes Adam and Eve, is one of the hot topics today in merging together uh, Bible and science um, Bible and, and historical evidence and archaeological evidence. Uh, so I think this is a really good one, and I think it's it's one that we need as Christians to study pretty fervently in order to to be able to combat, not combat, but be able to to bring our faith into a world that is f- fueled by science. Um, and I say that to to also say that science and our faith don't contradict each other. And in fact, in many ways, archaeological evidence and science and, and, and observational studies help enhance our faith and help enhance biblical narratives and stories, specifically the creation account and, and also Adam and Eve. And hopefully we can kind of get into some of that this, this today and, uh, and maybe learn a little bit more about this, this uh, children's story. Yeah, so, so Adam and Eve started off in a perfect world. Now that's that's something that um, that we don't know about, but that's something we look forward to. You know, the day when uh, Jesus Christ brings us all home and into mm-hmm. our new uh, to the new heaven and new earth. But but they were in this perfect world. Now, what do you guys think it was like? So let me ask you this: Was Eden the when when he talks about Eden, Adam and Eve being in Eden, where does Eden encompass the entire world? Or is Eden a specific place in the world? Yes, there's two. Question. There's two different thoughts on that. One thought yeah. is that Eden was just the idea of a primordial world that was perfect, and then another thought is that Eden was a specific place in the world. I, I'm of the thought that Eden was a specific place in the world because the language points to that. But there's yeah, different. That, that's of what I always kind of grew up thinking, and just now, just thinking that. Eden was a specific place on the earth, so God created the earth, and Eden was a specific place. And let's just say, like, I, I know archaeologists have been trying to find the Garden of Eden, and I don't think they ever will, 
There was pretty uh, but, good evidence yeah, that it is in the Persian Gulf. Yeah, I've heard things like that. Now, now, um, let's just say it's there. I, I believe that that was the spot where uh, Adam and Eve were. So I do believe that it was a place. Yeah. Uh, and then when they were banished, they were banished outside of this. Yeah. And and then another part is whenever Cain's descendants were banished, it said God. It, the text says that Cain's descendants were sent uh, east of Eden. Um, and so it's it's very specific in, in using Eden as a marker. So if if Eden encompassed the world, if it was just another term for a perfect world, then they wouldn't have used it as a marker there. And what do you think? Like, so they had to. So of course, Adam and Eve, when 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 they sin against God and sin enters the world, they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And then there's the God sends the angel to guard it. Mm. Uh, what do you think about that? As far, as far as like, I think it fits if if you have. Cause like if all right, let's just say Indiana Jones discovered it, you know, <laughs> oh, like yeah. is that an, is that angel still gonna be there? That's the next <laughs> shout out to Steven Spielberg for an idea for the next there Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's that's interesting. There's a, a really cool <laughs> The um, Lost Garden. Have any of you have either of you watched the show Supernatural? I have not. No, I've never I heard of Mike it. has watched it because <laughs> yeah. we used to watch it together in college. Um, How but cute. there's in the cool in the new season we of Supernatural and the recent one there it's the final season that's going on. Um, they they have this really cool idea of what Eden is that Eden is like a pocket dimension that God had created that that was a part of Earth and then when they banished Adam and Eve out of it he took Eden and put it in a pocket dimension of that's Earth. Awesome. It's kind of fun. It's, I don't think that's what happened, but it's just kind Almost of a like cool a portal, idea. Like yeah, have dinner. but the, the the point is we've because there's so much mystery regarding Eden we've uh, pop pop culturalized i guess we've we've turned it into stories and we've kind of um put our own little twists on it in order to fill in the gaps of understanding that we don't have i think in in the evidence that i've read and the study that i've had um i really do think that the best location from archaeological evidence and from just a a study of the area would be to say that eden is in was where the Persian Gulf is today. Um, there used to be some study pointing to Kuwait, that, that Eden was in, in the country of Kuwait, but now it's kind of looking more like in the middle of the Persian Gulf or on the east, um, the west, southwest shoreline of the Persian Gulf. Um, and the, the reason for that is because you look at the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, which are marks the... The, the text says that the Tigris, Tigris and Euphrates flowed through it, um, and it, it's, it's well, we'll go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. It says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It's, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Um, the name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So the Tigris and Euphrates are two rivers that are still there today. Um, yeah. And they mark the Mediterranean. The other two rivers, the, the uh, Gihon and the Pishon River, there's we don't really know what they are. Some people say it was the Nile. Some people say that it was yeah. the Red Sea. Um, there's not really evidence for what it is. But... There's its potential. Some people actually say that the Mediterranean Sea used to go through um, there. Hey, hey, here's something interesting, and this might be—we won't stay on this long. We'll get into <laughs> yeah. the story, but all right. So 
if, for example, these rivers are in Genesis, um, the early part of Genesis, well, later on in Genesis chapter 6, which we talked about last week, if the flood, and you talked about how it would have disrupted yeah, that much that's, water, would so that's what have disrupted all the earth's terrain. Like, mm-hmm. those so it's rivers, possible that the angel did guard yeah. the Eden, and then the flood came through, and it destroyed it, it, for, destroyed it because yeah. the... The flood covered it up with the new water, with yeah. the new landform. So, that, which is why I feel like we'll never find it. Is this yeah. like Atlantis? <laughs> See, honestly, the more I've read up on it, if you want to really get into some conspiracy theories, I mean, because it would have been a water civilization. So, so you're saying, so you're saying Eden might be under the Persian Gulf, like yeah, like under well, the water. Well, it's destroyed. I don't think they found some clay tablets and they found they found structural housing. In the per- on the shores of the Persian Gulf that are ahead of their time, like like stone houses, um, archaeological evidence of that, um, and so they found evidence of civilization around there, but they can't go deep enough into the Persian Gulf to find any evidence of Eden. So my assumption, Eden was flooded; they were kicked out of Eden. Civilization went to the first place closest to it, which would have been where they are now finding these evidences of civilization, but I don't think they'll ever find any evidence of Eden because I think it was flooded. Yeah, but, it's, so. you know, Plato or, said in the in a day in the night, uh, Atlantis was destroyed. So, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it was Eden. It would have been close enough. Well, you know, crazy. maybe... Uh, you know, if I want to say one more thing about this, I know I've talked a lot here. In a second. <laughs> I keep on. Uh, it's just, I, all, this is all really interesting to me. It's good. My um, mic doesn't work yet. It's all good. It's working now, isn't it? That's being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Um, um, so when we think of, you know, when we think of the Roman world, we, we think of Rome as kind of being the ancestors to modern civilization. The Hebrews would have thought of the Sumerians, the Sumer civilization, as their Romans. They kind of predated the mm. Hebrews. And the Sumer, the Sumer civilization was the first really high tech if you know i use yeah. air quotes there did no they have wheels that. um yeah they invented the wheel nice um so they were go. really high tech <laughs> yeah but they fire so, wheels so they would have been the first it. civilization and everything you know for the hebrews that would have been whenever they kind of made stories about civilization coming onto the scene it would have kind of been based off of the sumer civilization and so that's you know you know that's kind of goes hand in hand into how we, if we want to understand ancient civilizations within the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we have to think of it from a Hebrew perspective that are thinking of these civilizations as Sumer, um, kind of as we would think of the mysteriousness of Rome. Hmm. Um, But yeah, Hmm. so there's my little... Look, history fashion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Adam and Eve, uh, we have y- y'all probably learned some good stuff today. I have. Or you just, or <laughs> you just tune it all uh, out, yeah, which I don't blame you for doing. If you're still with us, um, so as as we look at the story, I, I think one of the most interesting things about Adam and Eve is that being in a perfect world uh, and, and seeing that Adam, you know, was able to walk with God, and that the, the presence of God was in the garden. Uh, that that I believe that they had this friendship and this close companionship with God because there was no sin to separate them at all. Uh, and then all of a sudden, their life just completely changing because of, of sin. This is what I find interesting is the seriousness of sin uh, and, and just how serious it is. I think we actually talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, I, I think it was last week we talked about the fruit and how 
all right, why was it so bad that they just ate of a fruit? You know, like, why, why was it so bad? Like, oh, come on. God, all they did was eat from one fruit you told them not to. Yeah. Why is that such a big deal? And I think some people wonder about this because it's not like, so, I mean, later on we see Cain yeah. kills Abel, but it's not like Adam killed Eve. He well, ate of a fruit. That's what I was saying earlier. I think a, Eve started it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a big reason why so many atheists or agnostics refuse to believe in the Christian God is, or really any God, is because they look at it as, as saying gods or the Christian God in general bring punishments that don't fit the crime. And they allow Which we saw with Noah. Yeah. Last yeah. That, and, and so they say, I'm not going to worship a God that punishes the entire human race for eating a, a piece of fruit. But the, the whole point of that was Adam and Eve, or if they are, if it, well, it's possible that Adam and Eve are just an archetype for an entire civilization. Either way, humanity chose to be autonomous in their faith. They right. chose themselves and trusting in themselves over trusting in the relationship that they had with God in this perfect state of all things. So they kind of thought, you know, we can do better. And and that was the entire point. And and they you know, wanted can, they wanted to make themselves God. Yeah. You know, exactly. Was, you know the fruit they wanted the it, it was the tree of knowledge. Yeah, good and evil, and they wanted that. And that was the temptation God. of the serpent too. And, but I think what's funny about that, I, th- I don't know if it's just me out there uh, or other people, but I've always, you know, we read this passage, and like Christian said, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what's funny is that we we talked about God and mercy and justice, and you know, their punishment was just receiving what they what they wanted, mm-hmm. like. It, so, like the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God's like, okay, now you know evil. I'm going to kick you out yeah, into yeah. the world where it's evil. Surprise! And and it's kind of, I mean, it's interesting. It's it's not. It's just a different perspective, you know. Like you were saying, Garrett, someone might say, well, it's not fair that um, that that God punished them that way. Well, it wasn't so much that He chose to punish them; they chose to receive the punishment, you know. And God didn't necessarily say what would happen if they ate of the tree, but. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. They, now they, and Satan obviously twisted it, saying God is trying to limit your knowledge. You can be just like him and, and know good and evil. Mm-hmm. And there was a control there that they thought, well, if we do this, we'll have some control. It wasn't necessarily to gain control, but just simply to, oh, they know what good is. They're in the garden. They know what good is. But you, it's hard to know what good is if you don't know what evil is. It's like we said with mercy and, and justice. If there's no justice, mercy is just normal. It's not really considered mercy. Yeah. So the good they they knew was just normal for them. It was life. But once they realized what evil was, they looked back on their past and thought, "Boy, that was good in Eden." And it's just kind of interesting that you know we say God punished them or God chose to punish them, and the punishment was really just that they they ate the apple. God gave them what they wanted in a sense. Well, it's important to. There's a lot of people that say that read this and they say, well, there was no death before. There was no pain before. There was, everything was perfect. And, and God, because they chose to eat this fruit, because they chose themselves, God, for lack of a better term, they damned the entire world. Yeah. But whoa, whoa, that, whoa, whoa. that wasn't, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> um, that was used in a, in a that was used way. in the, pro, in the, I'll allow it. Do we have to put it in um, the E symbol on I think, our podcast now? Yeah, I think is we this have explicit? to. <laughs> this is explicit. This is explicit. But the, the point is he, he didn't. Um, so a lot of people say that he brought all of this hardship on, but he, he didn't 
all of a sudden, because they ate the fruit, say, okay, now you're going to die, now you're going to have experienced pain for the first time. He didn't do that. He just increased it. He just kind of said, well, now you've, you're on your own. I'm not here to help you out. So everything that was made easier before because I was with you is now going to be more difficult. Listen yeah. to what he says to a woman. He says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. He didn't say, I'm going to make you experience pain for the first time ever in childbearing. Right. Bearing it, it's I'm going to increase it because you're no longer with me. And then he said to Adam, "Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life." He didn't say you're now going to have to start working for the first time. He's saying you're just going. It's going to be harder to work because I'm not going to be yeah. with you. And so their punishment was, "You can't be in my presence because you've chosen not to be in my presence. And because you're not in my presence, life's just going to be yeah. more difficult. It's not that life all of a sudden." is full of evil. It's not that you're experiencing these things for the very first time because you made, you ate a fruit, but now it's just not going to be as easy yeah. because you don't have and, me right in next Genesis to you. chapter two. Uh, look at, I think it's in, Oh, in verse 17, the other, uh, as we look at the punishment for it, God tells them, uh, he says, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but of verse 17, he says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Mm. Uh, and that was, that was the punishment was a death, one, a physical death. I believe, I believe Adam and Eve wouldn't have died if they never had sinned. I believe, I believe that they would have lived physically forever. I don't know what you guys think. Um, but I also, I, I believe that them eating of that fruit was not only a physical death, but I believe a, yeah. a spiritual death as well. Yeah. I think more importantly, it's a spiritual yeah, death. Yeah, more importantly, Because yeah. I, I think sure. God knew yeah. what was going to happen, and so he knew they would experience physical death, but until they ate it, they wouldn't have known that yeah, and what I, physical death was. I see that being was. possible for sure. And so when they ate it, spiritual death came into being, but at the same time, God knew that they would eventually eat it, so he knew there was no reason for them to for for them to know about physical death because they would die, but in eating the fruit, God had a plan to remedy spiritual death. Oh, yeah. And and that comes in, in, in the proto evangelium. Um, what do you do you What's know what the, the proto pro- I've heard it. I d I don't know what it is. I just want you to spell it. Proto Evangelium. P R O T O E V a n g e l i u m proto evangelium. Somebody check them on that. <laughs> we'll have to look that. It one might up. be. I was thinking it might be e v e instead of e v a, but I'm pretty sure it's e v a. But I mean, it would be the same as like evangelism, wouldn't it? Yeah. The the beginning part of the word. Yeah. That's e v a. Yeah. So, so you guys out there, I'm not going to check it. You guys out there, check it. And if he's wrong, uh, if you tweet are, at us if or you're a Instagram word connoisseur, it would spell connoisseur now. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. Yeah. Eat it. Um, proto is. First, or be, the beginning. beginning, and evangelium. Like a prototype of an yeah. invention. Evangelium is, is good news or gospel. or um, So what this is, is this is the first mention of Jesus, oh. uh, is the proto-evangelium. And the very first oh, mention yeah. of Jesus is Genesis 3, verse 15. Um, it says, um, this is after the serpent tempts, Adam and Eve, this is after the fall, after they eat the fruit, after they choose autonomy over a relationship with God. And it says, God looks at the serpent, and in 14, verse 14, he says, Curse are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And then in verse 15, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
between her offspring and yours, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike his heel. So this is the mention, this is a prophetic mention of what Jesus was going to do. He is going to crush the head of the snake, even though the, the serpent will strike his heel. Even though there will be pain, even though there will be a glimmer of the serpent getting a bite out of the heel, ultimately Christ is going to crush the head of the serpent. And that's what happened with, with the cross, is Jesus did die, but he rose again because he crushed death. And so God had a plan from the very beginning. So before the fall, did snakes have legs? Whoa. Mm. <laughs> Better question is, what is, you know, what is the serpent? serpent? Why? Or did, was it a lizard? Did, did <laughs> With longer legs. Did all animals talk? Was it a Komodo dragon? Because uh, here's here's the question. Listen. Was look, it like an not, alien? This is what I've always... Uh, <laughs> what'd you say? Was it an alien? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah. I've always wondered. It says in verse in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Now, first of all, if I'm Eve, a serpent starts talking to me, That's I'm not going to talk back. Yeah. I'm running away. <laughs> but she just talks right back. She says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from any tree. So she just was like nonchalant. Oh, hey, serpent, how are you doing today? I'll, I'll talk to you. I, yeah. I mean, you're talking to me. Well, I'll talk right back. Yeah. And to be fair, we don't really get a lot of emotional information. In no. This. So like, no, we don't really true. know her reaction. But, <laughs> but the fact, you're right, the fact that she responded at all <laughs> lends itself to think, well, was there some normality to that? But there's that. no sin, so they're probably... Anyway... Maybe there was no fear. The real question, did snakes have legs before? <laughs> uh, now, you know what? I, I think we... not. I don't think like intentionally, but I think we kind of skipped over a very important piece of Adam and Eve's story. Uh, and it comes in Genesis 2, actually. Um, in verses 26 through 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. Um, and I think we have to, one, grasp and understand this truth before we really can even move forward in the fall and all of those things, um, understanding that he created us in the perfect image. Mm-hmm. Um and it and it it does lend itself to the physical nature of our creation, but more so to the spirit, to the emotional side of who we are. Um, God doesn't necessarily have a figure at, you know, in this um, narrative. It lends itself that God walked through the garden, um, and you can take that as a physical. You know, God mm. was Jesus later, so I mean, it's not that God can't take human form. Um, but God in his essence, in his nature, isn't necessarily anything we can physically understand. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, I think the majority of what, uh, one, he created us exactly how he wanted us to look. So there is truth in that. And the the way we are with, you know, we have two arms and two legs. That's exactly how God wanted us to look. Um, That being said, I think a lot of what he's saying in this is God created man in his own image. We have characteristics of God. So so when we um, make a joke, it's because God can make a joke. If we have sarcasm in us, obviously that isn't sinful sarcasm, but just playful. God has that. Uh, I think um, now we can obviously distort our emotion that God put on us and our feelings and, for instance, murder. Mm. anger to the level of murder and that's not necessarily a reflection of who God is but God does have anger um, 
the difference a reflection is, of the fall yeah, of a corruption. The difference of, is God is yeah. sovereign and we are not. But our, well, yeah, our sin has distorted the yes. image of God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're made in his image, but it's our sin that has distorted yeah. it. It uh, doesn't take away the fact that we're all made in his image. Right. Uh, and all of those original characteristics still remain, but oh yeah. some of those, like you're saying, yeah. have been distorted because of sin in our own so eyes. A, a great illustration for that is if you think of you know, when you have a sculpture, that sculpture is made at, while looking at someone else. The, the person that you're sculpting that sculpture off of is the real deal. The sculpture is an image. And when that sculpture, if you look at a lot of these Roman sculptures that, that we have, when they were first made, they were probably almost identical to the real thing. I mean, everyone would have known the sculpture is the fake thing, the real thing is the person. Over time, the sculptures have cracked, you're missing noses, you're missing arms, you're missing parts of it, so you don't really know exactly what right. it, it was supposed to look like, but you have a great idea. And that's kind of where we are now because of sin. Mm-hmm. We don't look exactly like we're supposed to as the image, but we get fixed through the love of Christ. Yeah. And, and again, I think Garrett has expressed this idea on the past podcast, but when we see any time a repetition takes place, there's importance there. And you immediately see, I mean, literally in the first chapter of what we have recorded in Scripture, we see an immediate, it's actually a four, uh, repeats it four times, but in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there's an emphasis on who created who. Mm-hmm. God created us, and we see in that, backing up in 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And then down in 27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. So you see a re- repetition, an extreme repetition in this passage. And to me, this is God's um, planning of Scripture to right out of the gate immediately show God created us how he wanted us to be, and we are connected to him through our creation. And I think there's an immediate focus on the word of God that he gives us in the very first book, in the very first chapter. He's saying, understand before you can even move forward, oh, yeah. I created you, I created you how I want you, and you are created in my image. Mm-hmm. So there's a deep connection between us and God. Now, we get to the fall, and that that connection there's a disconnect. There becomes a disconnect in that connection of his creation because of sin, because we God is not involved in sin. He cannot be with it. And so us as sinful humans, because of the fall, have to be separated. And it, Adam and Eve, whether they're metaphorical people or real people, mm-hmm. were physically separated because they walked with God in the garden. Um, they were physically separated, and we as a result are also physically separated and spiritually separated. I think there's Jesus. <clears throat> a really... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think there's a really cool um, piece of linguistic evidence for all this, or for, um, that ties into the image uh, point. Um, In the first chapter of Genesis, the word for God as he's creating everything. Cap G? Well, (laughs) in English, yeah. Sorry. Um, The word for God in the Hebrew that is used is Elohim. And that's just kind of a standard word for God. It's not a specific, it's not like really making sure everyone knows what God they're speaking of. Um, Genesis uses the name Elohim just to say God. There is no other God, it's just God, it's the one God that created all things. And that's different because all the other creation myths that we have 
have multiple gods that that come together that are fighting that are waging war. There's there's one god called the Anu, or there's one creation myth called the Enuma Elish that's a Babylonian epic um, that <laughs> this god Marduk slays another god and Earth is created out of the body of the dead god <laughs> that Marduk killed. Um, but in the Genesis creation narrative. It's just one God. The real one. The real one, Yeah, it's just one God. But then you come to chapter 2, verse 4, and instead of using Elohim, this God is expressed through Yahweh. The name changes. It's no longer, we're just talking about Elohim, we're talking about a specific Yahweh. It's the same God. But now, Genesis makes a very distinct reference to Yahweh, to God's name, a name that doesn't come clear until Moses that it is Yahweh that is here with Adam and Eve. It is Yahweh that created all things. And the reason that now in chapter two, they make sure that everyone knows the readers know that it's Yahweh is because for the first time in history, you know, in creation, everyone knew God created all things. But now we have to know that there is a difference in God's because Adam and Eve are the ones that create a tendency to worship other gods by worshiping themselves. Mm-hmm. And so now we have, they have to specifically say, this is Yahweh that is, it is God. Um, and that then ties into the image and ties into the fall that um, Moses or whoever wrote Genesis has to make sure that everyone knows that it is Yahweh that created all things. Yahweh is the one true God, because now as soon as th- humanity falls, they're going to start worshiping themselves, or they're going to start making things by their own hands to start worshiping instead of worshiping the God that created all things. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was going to, thinking about the image of God, I had um, just thinking of God created us in his image, uh, and the reason, as we're looking at the image that he created us, is so that we would reflect him. Uh, and in Isaiah, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 43, 7, it, it tells us why we were made. And we were made to glorify God. Mm. We were made to bring glory, to shine a light uh, on God. You, you can think about um, if, you, if you're in a dark room and you want to, uh, you're trying to find your keys, uh, you pull out your phone flashlight uh, and you, uh, you turn it on and you illuminate your keys so that you can see it. And that's what God wants us to do with him is that as Christians, we're to shine a light on God that, that in a dark world that we are shining the light on him, that people can see him in the midst of darkness. And being created in his image is just that, that, that God wants us to reflect him as image bearers of God, as having some of the same characteristics of God that we have the ability to love and show compassion and mercy and the ability to have joy and the, the ability to be faithful, we are able to, to have these attributes and some of these characteristics being made in that image, and we're to use those things to bring glory to God uh, and, and to shine a light. And it's just an awesome thing that that the creator of the entire universe, as we go from Genesis 1, we see the entire creator, as Garrett said, we see, we see Elohim, and, and then we go to Yahweh, and, and then we begin to see God... Um, as what Micah read, that, that God created us in his image knowing that we are special. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't want it to point us that humans are, oh, we're just great, you know, because we're messed up. But to know that, that God loved us enough to, to even create us, but all to create us in his image, that's a big deal. Because no, nothing else in creation has that. Uh, not animals, not trees, you know, they're great, but... But nothing has the 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 image bearing as humans so, do. So, so t- 
to depict a living soul in Hebrew, the word is nefesh. Hmm. Nefesh. It's uh, it's the idea of a person's being. And animals and mammals in creation are identified by that word as well as humans. The difference is that the nefesh of animals isn't filled with the ruach of God like the nefesh of humans is. So what separates us isn't that we have a soul, it's that we have the spirit of God within us that that makes us different. And um, that's identified in, in what's seen as the three layers of creation, that there's a physical creation, a nefesh creation and a ruach creation, yeah. the the physical creation of all things, which we had in so in the creation account there's those three layers, physical, soul, and spirit. And then in the creation of Adam, there's those three things. The physical, he was made from the dust, the soul that God um, uh, turned that God breathed into him yeah. into him, and then the spirit that he became a living thing as he was breathed into. Um, and that then goes into the notion of what is death? Because is death physical death? Like uh, the physical uncreation? Or is it the death of our soul? Soul? <laughs> or is it He's the saying death soul, of our spirit? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that's kind of another question that... Yeah the Adam and Eve narrative brings into light for, for Christianity as well. Uh, Um, uh, Man, application, let's do, because I think if we, uh, when we we look at anything in Scripture, we want to look at how can we apply it to our lives. Uh, And looking at the the story of Adam and Eve, and and just thinking on the topic of of as image bearers, that we bear the image of God, how do we apply this? Well, I talked about reflecting God, and I think a question that we can ask, you know, if you're listening to this in your car or you're at home, um, a good question to ask is, is, are you reflecting God? So, so think about in, in your own life, whatever you're doing, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, playing video games, whatever it is, in that moment of what you're doing, are you living as a reflection of God? Or would you say that, Christian, man, I, I'm not living as a reflection of God. Actually, I'm just reflecting a distortion of God. Uh, and I think that's a question for us to answer for ourselves is, is, I'm a, is, am I reflecting a distortion of the image of God or am I reflecting God himself? And that's something we want to strive to. You know, we're going to mess up and we're not going to be perfect at it, but we want to strive to reflect that image of God. What kind of mirror are you? Are you a cracked mirror or are you, you know, foggy mirror, foggy mirror <laughs> or are you clean and whole? Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have any clean mirrors. Um <laughs> Oh, we're talking metaphorically still. Gotcha. Metaphorically. Um, Mike has no, spit yeah. his toothpaste on his mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. That brings back some bad memories from college, Gary. Our room was well, bad. We we're not going to get too much into it. But. My uh, hair was all over our mirror because yeah. I would shave. Oh, it that's disgusting. Yeah, bro, our room was a disaster. Well, see, um, we like tidied it up, and the floor was clean, but we never like scrubbed Yeah, yeah, it wasn't room. like, yeah, like we didn't. And so then at the end of yeah. the school that's year. That's a good way to say it. They threw their bags under the bed. Which doesn't but. make it better. Like, I, obviously, I get that. Like, we ne- like if you walked in our room, you'd just be like, oh, it's clean. But if you really looked, you'd be you like, oh, my goodness, this is hey, disgusting. My roommate was awesome. We were best buds, and when he got stressed out, he would clean. That, oh, was that's his, that was his relief. So I'm like, man, our room's dirty. I hope Devin has a test today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, I never, we, we, I never got stressed in college, well, so that wouldn't yeah, have worked for me. True. When we were, when we lived together in the apartment um, here, when we, 
uh, when we were both bachelors. Yeah. <laughs> Bachelor ministers. Y'all lived together here. Yeah, yeah we lived in we lived together for, for <laughs> we lived together for like four years cumulatively. Yeah. Oh, that's Straight. awesome. Um, but they but when we lived my we had I have a really good friend Eli that would come in to visit and anytime he visited he cleaned. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, dude. He'd like doing it. Yeah, he I mean, just so we would cleaned. make it extra. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think <laughs> to uh, get back to the reason we do the podcast, um, I, I, I like what you're saying, Christian. I, you know, are you are you living the life that God has called you to the way he created you in his image? Uh, and obviously, we're not going to fulfill that ever perfectly, but that's grace. That's Jesus um, dying on the cross and lamentation says his his mercies are new each and every day. And, and it's important to remember that we're, we're always going to fall short of being that perfect image. Um, as far as how he originally created us because of sin, we're, it's just totally different now. Uh, but but it's important not to get discouraged or upset or think you're a failure because um, that, that's not it at all. That's why Jesus came. It was to complete that image, um, to re, reconstruct that image, I think is a better way to say it, and to bridge that gap between us and God that, that sin created uh, and that we couldn't get across ourselves. Uh, I like using the, I always use it with children. It's hard to to do this audibly because I do it as a visual illustration, but you got two cliffs where on one side God's on the other uh, and and you need a bridge to get across it and the cross visually is the bridge. And so when I talk with children about getting baptized or, or that the concept of sin and how it separates us, it's a really good illustration to show Jesus is the only way we can get across that gap. Uh, it's through the cross. Um, and so I think it's important to just remember that for our listeners um, you know, I think we all probably have moments where we feel like a failure, um, whatever that failure is, uh, whether it's your job, something on earth or, um, in a sport or whether it is your spirituality with God and, and just know that you're loved, know that the creator of the universe made you in the way he wanted to make you. Um, you are exactly how, um, minus the distortion of sin, but you're exactly how he wanted you to be as a human being. And so if you're fulfilling the, the, the call on your life that he's given you, you're in the exact spot he wants you to be. Even when you mess up, he still loves you. He still gives you new mercies each and every day, and, and yeah. the, the act on the cross is still active. And there is forgiveness. And even in the story of Genesis, you think, where is there mercy? Where, yeah. where is there yeah. forgiveness? Well, in Genesis 3, and this is I think this is the most beautiful part of the whole entire story of Adam and Eve, we see a representation of what Christ did for us. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse, I think it's, it's verse 21, so Adam and Eve, we have to remember, they were naked. Uh, they didn't have clothes. They didn't. They didn't wear any uh, Gucci clothing. They didn't have. Gucci. They didn't rock supreme or anything like that. They were but naked uh, in the garden. Now, as they sin, they realize that they're ashamed. They're ashamed of their sin. They're ashamed of their nakedness. And what does God do? In verse twenty-one, it says, "And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve." And, or for his wife, garments of skins and clothe them. And I think the beauty of this was that they were naked, but God, he made them garments and he clothed them. Now, where did these garments come from? Where did he had to kill an animal. There had to be a sacrifice. And from this point in Genesis, all the way through the Old Testament, we see sacrifice of animals and the, the blood being shed uh, resulting in a forgiveness of, of sin. So it was the blood being shed in Genesis through God sacrificing an animal mm. to provide clothing mm. for Adam and Eve. And that's my favorite part in the whole entire story. Well, that it ties to something else, too. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing that they did? Whenever they, whenever they ate the fruit and realized what sin nature was, what did they do? 
They hid. They hid from they God. Hid, yeah. Okay, they had just lived their entire lives up to that point with the God of the universe. They knew that he knew all things, <clears throat> that he was omniscient, that he was omnipresent, that he was omnipotent, mm. and mm. the first thing they did was hide from him. They knew that he he knew where they were, but he they hid from him. And then what was God's response? What did he do? Did he just appear right next to them as they're hiding <laughs> in the bushes and say, hey, hey guys, what are you doing? I, I love that image of them like peeking over the bush and he's just like, they're like hiding. I, I, and they're, like, yeah. I picture him with them like, hey, where are we hiding yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, where are we hiding from? And they're like, God. And they're like, oh, wait, that's you. But no, anyway. what, what did he do? He asked Adam. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. He looked for them. He yeah. sought after them, not because oh, yeah. he didn't know where they were, but because he wanted them he wanted to, to feel comfortable. Yeah. He wanted them to know that he was searching for them, that he mm. was reaching down yeah. to them, even though they had kind of slapped his hand away. Yeah. Interesting. And then the garment thing ties into that, that he provided for them, even though he said, you know, you, you have chosen to provide for yourself, but I'm going to provide for you still. And, and in the same way, as they hid from him, he said, I'm still going to keep searching for you no matter how yep. far away you try to run from me. He always will. Always will. God is never changing. Uh, he's, he's consistent. So if he did it then, he'd do it now. So, yeah. Uh, good thoughts, guys. It's a fun, fun uh, episode here. Um, thank you to all of you who listen. Make sure to like and subscribe here on uh, Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. Um, I think shortly we're going to try to branch into Spotify Podcasts. Um, uh, if you have time to give us a rating, we oh would yeah, like to, yeah, and uh, share with people. Yeah, that maybe you know a review. That, yeah, that may be interested. Um, we. We'd like to know how we're doing. Exactly. We hope it's a, a podcast that you can listen to in the car with your kids on the way to Somerset or whatever, uh, other than this episode, which might be explicit, thanks to Garrett. Um, <laughs> he said the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I now used we, it uh, as... No, nah, you used it biblically. You're right, but, but did we, um, still. Did we do a hum moment for the day? Oh, oh yeah. we have not done our hum moment. We'll do it, let's do it real briefly, Garrett. Why don't you share what you talked with us about? But let's do it kind of briefly <laughs> as we kind of wrap up here. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to do it, to do it as, as briefly as I can. Well, you know, without the extra Garrett commentary. You know? <laughs> let's, uh, let's leave them thinking about just the, 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 the facts that you're, or the assumed facts that you're talking here. Well, first question is, what snakes did, uh, have legs? What, yeah, oh, sorry. No, sorry. Okay. What ahead. did um, Adam and Eve eat in the garden? I would think fruit is what I would think. They, but I'll, maybe meat. It was all know. vegetarian diet, yeah. right? Um, Poor guys. They weren't herbivores. They weren't. Uh, God didn't set the biblical precedents to eat presidents. Precedents. Precedents. <laughs> there are presidents Precedent in the Bible <laughs> to eat uh, meat until I'm Noah. George. It's George W. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, uh, no. So, so the hunt moment for the day that I that I had looked at. Um, was how many, you know, we see that Adam and Eve, that Adam named the creatures. How many creatures did he have to name? Seven billions. Um, <laughs> well, I don't even know. in order to look at that, we have to see how many um, animal species there are today. There's 5.8 million animal species today. But Adam wouldn't have named that many. That's less than um, 7 billion. And there actually, at the time of Adam and Eve, there would have been more because of uh, extinction, extinction. And, and animals dying off. The dodo bird. But, Adam, <laughs> but he didn't name them all. He didn't name the sea mammals, and he didn't name rodent mammals. He only named the beasts of the field and the the creatures that were tamed. So long-legged mammals that, that uh, were used in farming and, and agriculture and, and beasts, and he named birds. Um, 
And at the time of of Adam, there would have been two twenty thousand bird species in the world and fifty five hundred relatively long legged mammal species that inhabited the entire earth. But Adam lived in a specific spot on the earth, and around that spot there would have been about forty five hundred bird and mammal species that would have qualified as something that Adam would have had to name or or um, identify um, around the area that he was living in. So we can estimate approximately that Adam would have named 4,500 different species between bird and mammals that were wild livestock. beasts of the field or livestock. How many hours and, would that have taken him? And, it w- and if he, um, so I, I don't know the exact hours, but the estimate is that if it took him 30 to 60 minutes to name each species, it would have taken, and if he did, Worked a forty-hour work week doing no vacations. That. It, no vacations. Yeah, I, I think it would have taken a year probably. <laughs> it would have taken him around a year and a half. That's not bad. Do that. He's crazy. Job. But I want that job. Yeah. Yeah. Without any commentary, just put you know, chew on that cud for a little while. Is <laughs> that taking and, an effect that the, with the arc that Noah took two of every kind is kind species see i don't that's 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 interesting because you have genus and species yeah right so the genus is what a species falls into Uh and then the genus falls into mammals why don't we talk about this last week terrestrians none yeah so much (laughs) there's so much we need like a four and a half hour podcast (laughs) oh man podcast marathon yeah think about (laughs) 24 hours um think about that that's an interesting thought something we don't often think about that adam named you know how many he said he named the the animals. How many species would have been? They'd been doing it for a while. Um, so that also begs question: How and long they also, live in the Garden of Eden? He also so, did all the naming before Eve. So think about it: He was mm. naming these animals that were probably coming up to him and had little animals with them, little baby animals, and were you know had a partner, and that would have made him even more lonely as he realized he had no one. And so that mm. kind of maybe played into. Yeah. Adam and they may have even talked to him. Yeah. So, as we kind of wrap up uh, with that application before the huh, so go back and rewind and listen to that again. Um, but Christian, why don't you close us out in prayer? I will. Uh, God, we love you. And um, God, we just thank you that uh, you have created us, God, but more importantly, you've created us in our image. And God, for anybody listening today, uh, we just ask that uh, for me, Mike and Garrett, and for those listening, God, that we would be able to reflect your image, God, and everything that we do. God, help us to, to uh, God, not distort your image in any way that uh, we would cause anyone else to sin, but God, let us just reflect you and you only, God. And we're thankful for uh, one that you sought after us, but God, we're also thankful, God, that you are uh, a forgiving God. Uh, full of mercy and compassion, and uh, we just continue to ask for that today. Uh, Just be with all those who are listening today. We pray a special blessing over them in your awesome name. Amen.